good morning again. Take your Bible. Turn to a very familiar pa- uh, passage of Scripture, Psalm 23. We've dealt with this psalm a couple times here on Sunday morning, and this morning we're going to wrestle with it again. I think you could preach through this psalm and several other passages of Scripture an infinite amount of times and still extract some truth there that's going to help you grow in your faith. So as you turn there, we're going to do a little bit of celebrating and information. Is that okay this morning? Just some things you need to know, some things that are happening this summer, some things to look forward to in the fall. So I'm going to use this as an announcement time, but also a vision cast to understand that we are going deep and wide. That is our rally cry right now. Y'all remember that, right? We want to go deep in scripture, deep in spiritual growth, and go wide in application of the gospel because our mission here is to connect truth and people together so that they know Jesus and growing Jesus. That's it. That's who we are. That's what we do. That is River Hills Church. Agreed? And God has done some amazing things. And as we progress through summer, I want you to covenant with me to pray and to be a part of and to be expectant of what's going to be happening over the next next several months. First of all, I want you to pray for our students. Uh, Stephen uh, and Megan and Silas, who was our soloist this morning, if you heard him on the other side of the room. uh, Don't you, guys, can I just stop for a second? Silas, I love you, man. Here's the deal. I wish you as adults would, would sing like that. Can, can we not do that? I mean, can we not as men yell that loud because God is big, God is good, God is glorious, and God has saved you? Wouldn't that be good? So what's stopping us? We're afraid to lose cool points, aren't we? God help us from losing that. I'm so proud of that young man. Don't ever use that, lose that passion. And may God give it to us as well, right? So, that was a rabbit hole. I got to find my place. Here we go. Well, Stephen and Megan came to us in January and have done an outstanding job rebuilding our student ministry, and as time continues to progress, he is investing, she is investing as well in our students, rebuilding so much momentum that was lost. COVID did a number on teenagers, more so than we recognize, uh, as well as our children's ministry, growing that, moving that. I mean, we have an entirely different staff than we had a year ago in that area. And so I want you to covenant with me in praying for what's happening in these ministries this summer. You with me on that? First of all, I want you to pray for our students. Uh, We're going to take some specific times to pray for them in the coming weeks, but pray for our students. Um, They have a lot of activities, and really, as Stephen has planned and progressed through developing Merge and getting to know our students, this is the summer in which really the fruition of all the plans, all the prayer, and really the ownership of his ministry comes together. Uh, we, uh, on, a, on, a, on a wing and a prayer, I guess, step of faith, we said we want to take 30 people to camp this summer, and we are full. That's a big deal. And here's what I need from you. I need you to pray for these students, and as well as if you're willing to give a scholarship to a student, give a scholarship. It costs $370 to go. And some of you guys who are empty nesters can afford that now. And uh, we want to be able to help send these students um, to camp. I, I've always had a policy here at River Hills. If a child wants to go to camp, they will go. We will find the money uh, because I really believe those experiences are lifelong impacts. I had somebody come and tell me this week, if I could pay for every student to go, I would because of the impact my church and camp and things like that during the summer made on my life, and that's why he's here today. And so if you could be willing to do that, I want to encourage you. We're not doing fundraisers. Uh, I, I, I think there's a need for that. I think there's a time for that. But you know what? I believe the, the, the resources are here, and we can do that ourselves. Agreed? 
And so um, if you can do that, we would be a proud, be appreciative of that. So be praying for them as they progress, as they move forward, as they get ready uh, to do different activities, as they transition to a new methodology as well as a new strategy in the student ministry, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Also pray for our kids. Uh, I have been overruled by our entire leadership. I've always called the, seven, the five days in the summer to where all the kids come together for the night in this church as kids camp. But I said, somebody told me the other day, you know, you need to call it Vacation Bible School because that's what everybody knows, right? And so a lot of you are nodding your heads like, yes, call it Vacation Bible School. Sorry, I was trying to be cool. Um, so Vacation Bible Schools this summer, <laughs> and we're going to have a full team of people and a full group of kids. Be praying for them. Serve these kids. This is a great opportunity uh, to express the gospel to these kids as we transform our church, as we fill up our kids every night, and also be praying for our kids' camp. We're going on a camp, too, and it's a first overnight trip for a lot of these kids uh, who are going to go overnight um, to South Georgia, which uh, you need a passport sometimes to go there. But um, And I lived in South Georgia, and I'm picking on all you guys. But in South Georgia, they'll be going to a camp this summer, just like the students are going. Also, we have our missions week, July 18th through 24th. And during that week, we will be doing intentional mission work in our community whether it be painting a building or serving. We always do mission work here. We're always supporting people. But this is a time where we as a church rally together and do it together. So we'll be giving you opportunities to sign up. I want you and your family to sign up if you have kids. This is a great ministry and a great opportunity to pray for schools, to paint buildings, to serve people in need, to write thank you notes, to help engage with people in our community. Y'all with me on this? this? is a big deal. We always end this with Party in the Park at Jug Tavern Park where we're doing inflatables and baptisms. Sound good? It's a big deal. Then, July 10th through 16th, we finally get to go back overseas. Isn't that cool? COVID stopped us, but now we're July 10th through 16th, we're going to the Dominican Republic to help with our church plants there. That's a big deal. So as we get ready to go to that, uh, be praying for this team of people. I think we're taking 13 to 15 people. So that is a full team, y'all, and be praying for the leadership as they go. Now, in the fall, and I only got like not a lot of time, so but this is important stuff. In the fall, we're launching three ministries you need to be aware of. And we're really excited about what's happening. We have been partnering with a ministry for the last year and a half, but now we're on our own. And we will be doing, uh, we don't have a name for it yet, but basically Bible clubs at the Winder YMCA for their after-school program. In order to connect these folks to the church, connect these families to the church, and share the gospel. We have some great volunteers we need more. So if you have an afternoon available about 4 o'clock, I think it's like 4 o'clock in the afternoon on Wednesdays, this is an opportunity for you to minister to children who typically aren't in church and to share the gospel with them. Do you have to be skilled to do this? Absolutely not. If you can do this and corral kids, that's what we need. All right? And it is a great opportunity to do that. The other thing is we were asked this past year to launch a student ministry in one of the local high schools. Stephen has come in, figured out what's happening, and we are relaunching that this September. And so we're so excited to be relaunching our Merge Club at Barrow Arts and Science Academy and there to share the gospel and be a part of their club program during the morning hour on Wednesday morning. So if you go to Bassa or have a child that goes to Bassa, make sure they know about that. Sound good? The last thing, and this is what really is um, what I call the cherry on top, is that on Wednesday nights starting in September, we will be for the first time in the history of our church doing children's ministry, student ministry, and adult small groups. 
And so for nine weeks, we're going to experiment for nine weeks. And if it goes well, because this isn't an effort to go deep and wide. We want to disciple your kids more effectively. We recognize Sunday morning is not enough for children. And Sunday morning is not enough for you. And for, because of our schedules, because of life, it's hard to nail down a time where we can all grow in the Word together. And so we are going to be launching different small groups, different children ministries, as well as intentional student discipleship groups on Wednesday nights starting the first full week, right after Labor Day in September. Sound good to everybody? We're going to be doing this in nine weeks. Um, we're, going to, we're working on the dinner part of that. Uh, it may be where you bring a sandwich. I don't know yet. We're figuring that out. But we're naming it Deep and Wide because we want to go deeper. We want you to go deeper, and we want to go wide. And we already have T-shirts that say it. Sound good? So this is a great opportunity for you to bring your kids and also gather with other adults, and we'll be announcing times and things as of that nature later. So those are the things that are happening. We've got a lot going on, right? And God is blessing this stuff, y'all. This is something we've been planning for months and months and months and months, and I'm so excited to be able to announce that this morning. And we'll have more announcements on social media and our website so it's coming forward. Now, one last thing, and we're going to get into this. Um, a year and a half ago, my elders, our elders, came to me and said, Chip, you need to take a sabbatical. And I took one about four or five years ago. And during that time, uh, I really left that sabbatical refreshed, um, excited about the future, and with three major goals, I felt like God was leading our church to enhance our discipleship processes, which we've done, to be more intentionally evangelistic, which we're doing, and to expand our building, which we did. Sound good? And so they came to me a year and a half ago, and they said, we want you to take a sabbatical this year. And I said, no. We had too many transitions going on in our staff, and they've come to me again and said, take a sabbatical, which I'm very blessed about because some pastors never get to do this, and now I'm on my second one. And um, the first Sunday, or I'm sorry, March, May 29th will be the first day of my sabbatical. Uh, I want to kind of fill you in. It's not going to be for several months. This is hard for me because I grew up in a blue-collar household where you worked all the time. And nobody got to take time off, and like, like many of you guys, right? This is not where I'm from. However, the nature of ministry is very different. Um, the ebb and flow, the midnight phone calls, uh, the spiritual warfare, and to be quite honest with you, I'm going to be selfish about this for a moment, uh, the pressure my kids and my wife feel in ministry is beyond what most people don't understand. And we all know that, and we take that and love what we do. But uh, our elders said, we want you to go. Take some time, pray, catch vision, and come back and bring God's Word and lead. So May 29th, I'll be out for four Sundays, and I'll be back June 26th. So just know that. Uh, two things I want to ask you to do. Pray for me uh, and my family. We're gonna, we're, I'm just going to be totally transparent. We're going to go to Wyoming for a week. Uh, I'm going to chase a grizzly bear, hopefully, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, but and that we'd have a good time together, but also we come back refreshed and what God wants us to do and have a clear picture of that in the future. Sound good to you guys? So be praying for us. Know that uh, uh, it's going to take me about three weeks just to figure out I shouldn't be here. And But during that time, um, Stephen will be preaching two of those weeks, and we have two very gifted communicators coming in during those weeks too. So that was one thing. Pray two. Don't skip church because I'm not here. We being real with each other for a second, right? I don't, I'm, I'm looking at some of y'all, all right, because some of y'all text me, you going to be there on July 4th? Because if you're not, I'm not coming. And I always say yes and lie and ask for forgiveness later. <laughs> Guys, listen, this is not about me. And I realize it's easy to skip when the pastor's not here. But we are a family, right? 
It's the body of Christ. We're called to come to worship together, whoever is standing on the pulpit. And so don't miss church. I'm going to spend this time resting, catching vision, and also doing some writing and hopefully be able to present that to you. Our staff has worked incredibly hard during COVID, and we have been short-staffed. So many of us, including me and several others, have been doing two or three jobs at once. So Alexis Head, who's sitting on the front row, is one of those folks, and we're making her take a two Sundays off in the next few weeks because she has worked herself to the bone as well. So be praying for her and her family as they get some rest and reconciliation. She's done a fantastic job along with others. Stephen, we'd love to give a time off, but he uh, he's new and... Um, <laughs> sorry, Megan. <laughs> His first three, four weeks here, uh, he took two Sundays off, one because it snowed, the other one because he got COVID. He's been making excuses ever since. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> we picked on him a lot about that. So that's what's happening. Our staff is equipped and ready for pastoral care, emergencies, everything, and we're ready to roll. We're, we're in a better spot than we've ever been in our church. Can y'all feel that? And so it's happening. And so it stresses me out, and that's why we're dealing with stress. So take your Bible, turn to Psalm chapter 23. We're in part four of a five-week series on stress. What does it mean to be stressed out? And how do we cope with it biblically? How do we handle that in such a way to where God is honored? And at the same time, how do we move through it and know that God is growing us? So as I've approached this, understand that, uh, and we're going to normalize this in just a few moments we have to understand really three key principles that we've dealt with over the last few weeks. And stress is not just defines how you feel at work or how you feel when your kids run around your feet or how you feel in uh, traffic during rush hour, all right? Stress is feelings of being overwhelmed, feelings of grief, feelings of depression, anxiety, those types of issues that creep into all of our brain cells. Y'all with me on that? All of us deal with it. And we've learned three very important truths from this. Number one, <clears throat> God is fighting for us and he wins at the end. Number two, God walks with us through it. Stress ain't going away, but we can be very, very, very confident in the fact that God is walking with us. And number three, we learned last week that God offers to calm us. Now, whether we gaze at him or not is up to us, right? But in the midst of the storm, we have to understand the storm may be raging, but he's always in the boat, steering the boat, right? This morning, we're going to deal with Psalm 23. Now, we're going to deal with only four verses. That's all we got time for this morning. On our podcast, we're putting out tomorrow morning, we're going to deal with verse 5 and 6. So catch part 2 of this on the podcast. But we want to really clearly drill down in the first four verses. We want to understand what it means for God to be our shepherd. What it means for God to take us through pathways of righteousness. What it means for God to lead us through the valley of the shadow of what? death what it means to fear no evil what it means tomorrow morning we'll deal with he puts a table in front of us we want to deal with those things because they all deal with these ideas of being overwhelmed being stressed out feeling blue feeling like we can't go forward knowing that God fights for us knowing that he calms us knowing that he walks with us but also knowing that he leads us is vitally important for us to deal with stress in the midst of it I like to think of it this way God goes before us, God walks with us, and God comes behind us. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Years ago, you guys may have done this with your um, staff or maybe as a kid or in your office place, we did a team-building exercise. I was about 19 years old. And our team came together. I was working at a camp at this time, Rock Eagle 4-H camp. And as I was working there, 
our team came together and we did an exercise in which you were partnered up. One person was blindfolded and the other person had to lead this person, giving them commands about what to do. And it was total trust in the person leading. So we had to lead them through the woods, lead them over a creek, lead them to a canoe, paddle them across the lake in a canoe while they're completely blindfolded. I was not blindfolded. While they're completely blindfolded, lead them up a pathway. And if you've ever been to Rock Eagle, there's this huge mound that the Native Americans made in the shape of an eagle. You climb up a tower, you look down, you see it's an eagle. And we had to lead them up the steps of this four-story tower, sit down, and then they could take their blindfolds off. Now, it was a... It was a team exercise in trust but here's the deal if you had a good partner you did fine but if you had a bad partner you didn't do so well some people left with skint knees briars stuck in their legs and different other things that being said I feel like stress is like being blindfolded like we don't know what's gonna happen next do we we have no idea what we're gonna face when we leave this room we have no idea what kind of text message we're gonna get this morning but here's the deal. As we're blinded in some ways about not knowing what's going to happen next, we have to understand that God is leading us through that. And as we capture the essence of Psalm chapter 23, we see some beautiful things that's happening in the context of what it means to follow the good shepherd. Jesus tells a story in Matthew chapter 7. He uses this parable about two men who, or two families that built their house. One was on the sand and one was on the what? The rock. The storms came. The wind blew, the sand, the house on the sand wiped, was wiped away, and the house on the rock continued to stand. It said the waves battered against it, the storm battered against it, but it stood. Now, we believe that, and we build our lives on the foundation of the rock, meaning Jesus Christ. We build our lives on the foundation of the gospel. But even that, in the midst of that storm, I still get scared, nervous, and stressed out. Do y'all? I think about those in Ukraine right now, and I'm sure you've seen the news reports of the people who are in tunnels or subways uh, underneath the city, and as the bombs come, they're going to be okay. But man, can you imagine the stress of he hearing the bombs explode above you? You're going to be okay, but that's overwhelming, is it not? And those explosions go off of us, around us, knowing that we are solidified in Jesus it is still stressful so how do we take advantage how do we build into the leadership and trust him that God offers because there's good news the gospel is always enough but there's bad news at the same time we lose focus of that gospel don't we we lose focus of what's happening Notice what Psalm 23 says, starting in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Now, <clears throat> let's get some context here. Shepherds, uh, our typical idea of what a shepherd is, is someone who has a big robe and a turban and a long staff and stands out on the side of a grassy hill looking over sheep in Israel. Isn't that what we typically think of? Or maybe your idea of a shepherd goes to somewhere in New Zealand or Ireland and they have a dog with them and they chase the sheep around and they go in different places. Shepherds are not these guys who we look at and go, wow, I want to be a shepherd. Typically, none of us grow up doing that, right? Because you're hanging around a bunch of stinking sheep. They're not great animals. Growing up, I had 70, of sheep, 70 sheep. I literally was a shepherd. And there's two things I can tell you. Sheep smell and sheep are stupid and we're like sheep. Right? Dumbest animal I've ever been around. 
literally found one sheep dead one day because he got his head stuck in a hole and instead of backing out he just kept moving forward is that not us now here's the deal shepherds were guys who took these animals in ancient Israel which we have to be mindful of was a very arid and dry environment and to find a green pasture and to find a stream of living water like we're going to read in a moment was hard to do they protected them they fought off the wolves they fought off the bears they fought off the lions they fought off the people who were trying to steal them they knew their sheep by name they could tell their sheep from different sheep and all these sometimes shepherds would gather together and feed in the same place and the sheep knew their shepherd and they followed him it's an amazing dynamic you can go there today and go and see different clusters of different flocks come together and when one shepherd makes a certain noise the sheep will separate and follow him isn't that cool interesting how this works but I want you to notice here in verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I like nothing. Now, if you have your own copy of God's word and not just on your phone, it says this, a psalm of David. King David wrote this, and he's known as a shepherd or the good shepherd or the good shepherd king of Israel. Prior to him, there was a king named Saul, and he was a bad shepherd. <clears throat> he did poorly. He was not the guy you wanted to follow. And so when God gave the kingdom of Israel David as their king, he saw himself, and he used to be a shepherd, in real life as a shepherd for Israel yet he writes this psalm and says the Lord is our what shepherd and then we turn to John chapter 10 verse 14 we see a passage there to where they equate Jesus as the good shepherd he says I am the good shepherd Jesus says I know my sheep and my sheep what know me see there's a difference between a good shepherd and a bad shepherd and the powerful thing about knowing Jesus is in the midst of this stress, he's leading us. So, with the familiarity of the sheep, understanding who Christ is, and knowing in verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I like nothing, what are some truths we extract from this in the midst of our stress? Truth number one, he's leading us and he's leading us in spiritual nourishment that's something we can be confident in when it comes to Christ notice what happens it says verse 1 the Lord is my shepherd I like nothing he makes me lie down in green pastures now again this is an arid region we're not used to this here in Georgia right there's a green pasture literally around the corner right everywhere you go even in times of drought like we're having now there's still green pastures but if you go to Israel they're few and far between and they would have to rotate these flocks around to different pastures to make sure there was sustenance for the sheep and the shepherd would always make sure that there was a place for them to get nourishment and here's what's so beautiful about what we have here is it in Christ in the midst of your stress there is a place for spiritual nourishment and it's called the word of God it's the Bible we don't lack anything because we have it all right here we have it all but the reality is do we take advantage of it probably not like we should right we go from place to place looking but here's what's so beautiful about stress and about what's happening in Psalm 23 and about the new life in Christ and this is what I want you to get in the midst of your stress you can always find comfort in scripture in the midst of your stress you can always find comfort in scripture even people that don't know Jesus do this, guys. I'll never forget on September 11th, 
2001, after the towers had fallen and all the chaos ensued and life changed for all of us forever, right? You know what happened? There was a run on Bibles at local bookstores all across the nation. What does that tell us? People are looking for that. And as a believer, you've got that. Totally accessible. Second truth you need to understand here is this. Notice what happens next. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And when we look at Scripture, starting in Psalm 1 all the way through the person of Jesus, the idea of living water is a truth that we need to cling to. And what Christ proclaims to all of us through Scripture, what we see in the Psalm 1, what we see in other parts of Scripture is this, is that we're looking for something to give us spiritual restoration. And what's so beautiful about the gospel in the midst of our stress is Christ is leading us. Not only does he lead us in spiritual nourishment, he leads us in spiritual restoration. Meaning no matter where you are, what you've done, what you're doing, and what you will do, there's a restorative power in the person of Jesus. It's called your redemption. And when you ask Christ to come into your life, you are completely and totally restored. You may not always feel it. But this is why grace is so vital, just not for your salvation, but also for living. Is that God is preserving you. And that's what it means to lie down beside quiet waters. He is preserving you through the person of Jesus. I've heard this illustration when I was a kid saying that salvation was as if you're drowning in the ocean and Christ throws you a lifeline. You heard that before? That is not scriptural. Salvation is this. If you're dead on the bottom of the ocean floor, and Jesus dives down and gets you and restores you completely and makes you alive again. That's what it means to be stied quiet waters. Spiritual restoration. See, there's comfort in Scripture. There's also comfort in the cross. And the reason we have empty crosses hanging, out, hanging up in different places and even behind me because it's a reminder that the price has been paid. Not being paid, has been paid total there's no reason to suffer anymore there's no consequence for your sin and eternally speaking is that spiritual restoration is available but even more notice what happens next verse 3 he refreshes my soul he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake he leads us he leads us. I want you to understand this down right paths. Now, this is important for us. He's led us, and he's leading us to spiritual nourishment. He's leading us, and he, le and he led us to a place of spiritual restoration. But he also leads us down the right paths. Now, I want you to understand here. He didn't say easy paths, did he? But he said right paths. And what's so fascinating about this if we go back to the opening illustration about those folks that were blindfolded and were leading them, there were some that were intentionally leading people in a wrong direction. They would take them through briars. They'd make sure they fell down. And those that were blindfolded fell flat on their face. And you know what you call that leader? A jerk. But I want you to go here. Their reputation 
was bad, but notice what Jesus, notice what the Bible says here in verse 3. He guides me along the right path. Notice that last phrase there. For his name's sake, not ours, but for him. He leads us down the right places for his glory, for his renown, for his character. And sometimes those paths are scary. Those paths are scary. Sometimes it's in the midst of the storm. Yet, and here's your comfort. There's always comfort in the Holy Spirit in your life. That's God in you. Is it in your deepest place, in your darkest moment, you come back to the fact, I'm spiritually, I have the availability to be spiritually refreshed in Scripture. I have the availability to be spiritually reconciled in Christ are restored and I also have the availability of God in me the Holy Spirit to lead me down this dark path even though it is dark doesn't mean it's not right you follow me on this last truth he leads us in protection what does this mean go to verse 4 even though I walk through the darkest valley I will feel fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me what does a shepherd do with a rod and a staff beat off the wolves they hook the sheep back in line see we have a gracious and loving God doesn't mean he's not stern and doesn't mean he doesn't discipline but here's the point as he leads us down these right paths he leads us in protection now some of you are like okay you say that but I want you to look at the wounds and the scars that I'm carrying around with me because we all got them right was God not protecting me then it's a good question isn't it you ever get angry at the Lord about stuff like that everybody say yes you do absolutely here's where I really want this to come together for you now I preached on this passage on Easter Sunday I want to refer back to it in Romans chapter 8 starting in verse 31 we have five minutes left we'll make sure you get this because this is, this is important starting in verse 31 Romans chapter 8 what then shall we say in response to these things if God is for us who can be what against us we believe that right yet we carry the scars Yet we go down some very dark paths. Yet right now, some of you guys are dealing with hell that I can't even imagine. I don't, I don't, I, I, and, and I've got my stuff. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. That's our comfort and cost. How, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? That's comfort in the Holy Spirit. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? That's you. It is God who justifies who then is the one who condemns no one christ jesus who died more than that here's the deal we talked about this easter sunday who was raised to life is at the right hand of god and is also interceding for us who shall separate us from the love of christ shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as is written for your sake we face death all day long we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered no get this in all things we are more than what 
conquerors. Now, here's the point. Here's what you got to get. I want you to draw a line in your mind or even your Bible from verse 37, where it says more than conquerors, all the way back up to verse 34, where it says who was raised to life. Here's what's beautiful here. Here's why we believe this. Already, I'm fired up about this. Through the resurrection, there's comfort in the resurrection. You've got your scars. You've walked down painful paths. I walked down painful paths. Life is hard. People hurt us. We sin. We deal with consequence. There's comfort in the resurrection because of this reason. Coming close. Here's the deal. In your stress and feelings of overwhelm, Christ, through his resurrection, has undone death, and he's undoing your pain. Get that. He is totally, miraculously, and powerfully undoing all the junk isn't that good he said here is through the resurrection guys get this you're going to walk into eternity and not worry about the junk you're dealing with now you're not going to walk in there with a limp you're going to run in there with joy isn't that good like that, this is why we sing loud he's undoing it all this is hard but I want you to remember our three objectives in the midst of this teaching series stress is normal God is with us Christ is walking through it with us and we're going to talk about this next week Christ uses it so what do we do with this I have three application points for you you ready for this some of us don't know Jesus you don't know the, know the undoing of the resurrection. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ, I'm going to give you an opportunity to find out who he is in just a few minutes. Two, get into the word. There's your spiritual nourishment. Some of you are like, well, it's so intimidating. I don't know how to read it. Hey, look, man, we're going to teach you in 45 minutes how to do this tonight. Why in the world would you not come? You have no excuse. All right? You got, we really don't, do we, people? So be here tonight, 6 o'clock. The other thing is help is available to you. Sometimes, scripturally speaking, the wounds need a wounded healer. Somebody to walk with you, talk with you, and encourage you through it. You with me on this, folks? And if you need that type of person, there's an opportunity to do that. So we get to the end of our journey. Folks are blindfolded. We've crossed creeks, woods, paths, briars, brush. Got on a canoe, canoed across the lake, led them up a long tower or a tall tower, four stories high. Those of us who led came down and we lit candles encircling the rock eagle mound so that the people we had led blindfolded could stare down at its beauty at night as a reward for following us blindly what's the point without trusting God we truly miss the beauty you hear me on that without trusting God we truly miss the beauty of seeing him undo all this so do you trust him if we were being real our answer would be sometimes Listen, a sometime Christian can grow to be an all-time. 
but a no-time person will never get there. You got to put your faith in Jesus. So this morning, what we're going to do is the band comes back up. Here's what we're going to do. If you need Christ this morning, you can text in the phrase new to RH, or not new to RH, you can text in the phrase, I need Jesus. It's going to come to me. I'll follow with you tomorrow morning. You can fill out a connect card, put it in an offering box, or I'm going to be standing over here on my left. If you need Christ, you need to pray about something, you're feeling overwhelmed, I'm here. Sound good to you guys? So let's pray into this. Father in heaven, we love you. And God, I pray in these moments that we would begin to experience, sense, and feel your presence, and that, Lord, that you would lead us down those right paths, that you would lead us beside those quiet waters, that you would lead us to a place to where we find the green pastures and you begin to minister to our souls. And so, Christ, move in us, speak to us, guide us, direct us, and overwhelm us with your grace. Fill us with your spirit, and God, in a powerful and mighty way, use this time so that we might experience and express what it means to go deep and wide. Father, you have been so good, so be good in these moments. In Jesus' most powerful name we pray, amen.